Hello and welcome to Super Humane Vitae. I'm John Kamiski. And I'm Brendan Lyons. And we're here to bring you part two of our discussion of a vision. Ooh. That was my <laughs> attempt at we creating didn't even rehearse that beforehand. No, that was all natural <laughs> to prepare us to talk about the ghost robots. Yes, the ghost I guess, robots. Because stuff passes through them. So, Ooh. ghost bots. Boop, boop, you do. All right, well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, last we left off, the vision has formed his own artificial family. He's got a, a wife, a son, and a daughter. And they moved into a town in Washington, D.C. And everything seems hunky-dory until another superhero on the Avengers team, Wonder Man, his brother, who's a villain, the Reaper, busts through like the Kool-Aid man with his scythe and attacks the family while Vision is out. And Vision's wife kills him and hides the body in the backyard. And I believe pretty much much where that leaves off i think that's where she starts getting cell phone messages that show photos from somebody who has clearly observed her burying the body so we're left to kind of anticipate trouble being on the way that uh that actually didn't happen yet no nope. but that's visions <laughs> of the future <laughs> no we end with a brief discussion of the the floating water vase of zanzibar um, uh, <laughs> i'm sorry zenla <laughs> <laughs> just so although they yeah. do look awfully similar don't they both of those <laughs> phases vases yeah they're basically copies i think you can put flowers in the zanzibar one though it's like a, it's, like, it's a user-friendly vase of zen law yeah odds are pretty much anything other than this space face is probably gonna work because yeah it's not gonna be toxic i would hope yeah i mean it's amazing you can put water and flowers in almost any container except for this vase so it's the one vase great work yeah nice job real uh real industrious all right so yeah that brings us to chat uh well volume two then now doesn't it yeah and lucy's got some splaining to do oh you betcha <laughs> as i've already spoiled somewhat <laughs> but yes yeah, she's uh, she's got skeletons, not in the closet, but in the yard, and that's not a skeleton. Yeah, definitely going to be a problem. Take well, give, give it some time. <laughs> You'll just oh, become fine. a skeleton immediately. Wait, that's not how dirt works with bodies. Well, I guess technically, you never become a skeleton. You already are a skeleton. Just the rest of it goes away. Wow. So I'm just like an over accessorized skeleton. That's Correct. I'm sure in, <laughs> in keeping with Catholic teaching. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah yeah we we pick up in this issue with i keep getting the kids mixed up vin he's at school and he's having a tough time of it clearly the fact that his sister was very nearly killed but definitely seriously injured in the attack has him uh, out of sorts and we see that viv in fact has survived the attack but she's on life support i guess she's critically injured and still undergoing treatment for that as would it be called tech support yeah see i was gonna say it's <laughs> i'm trying to think what tech support seems the most trustworthy based on my experience it's not the, i don't think it's the geek squad it's a little bit higher than that i think it's actually tony stark oh whew. Okay, you know, Which is I good know news because that's that's a little bit above the Geek Squad. Yeah, his office hours are tough, but if you can get him, it's true. Well, if you're the Vision of the Avengers, you can probably ba, get him. Ba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, 
what's going to happen? I mean, she's going to have to explain why the house is all wrecked, right? Yeah. You think uh, the truth will set her free, Brendan? I think it would, but man is born free, but everywhere he's in chains. So, Man, that's deep, man. My same might be the case for robots. You know what? That's not what that quote even refers to. I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, she lies. She uh, totes. She actually does a good job of keeping the facts close to what happened. So it's a little. I guess that's how a lot of, if you want to call them the best lies. I mean, I guess lying is just bad all around. But it's a twisting of the truth, and we find that in the case of how demonic forces and Satan do things that. Often there's just enough truth there that it throws us a bit off balance and we're convinced that it's the real deal when it isn't. And such is the case here where a lot of it is related much as it happened, but enough facts are changed that it looks like, based on Virginia's story, that she was able to kind of ward off the Reaper with a warning shot. And mm-hmm. and so as far as the vision's concerned, the Reaper's still alive and... Well, you know, though, there's that moment where I think he might be on to her. Oh, you're right. Yes, where she's talking about him attempting to use the blade, and he says it buzzes, and she's like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've noted that it, I noticed that the Reaper's blade feels odd as it passes through. It buzzes or tickles. Did you not notice this? Mm-hmm. And she says, yes, yes, I noticed this. It buzzes. <laughs> so <laughs> You're right. I think in that I think in that moment, it might be his first inkling that, especially, I guess, because they are robotic to a certain extent, he first thought that this would be a thing that she would recall immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's like, um, but she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. It does seem like a probing question, like he's yeah. feeling it out. But I kind of, my conclusion was almost that the vision may have some inklings or even suspicions. But as we find through the course of the story, he kind of convinces himself. He almost lies to himself that everything's okay. Like if there's yeah. enough there to believe that it's the truth. He'll lie to himself that it's the case in the interest of keeping this whole life that he's created intact. Yeah, he definitely chooses to accept what Virginia has told him. Mm-hmm. Whether he believes it fully or even a little bit, he's decided, okay, that's what we're going to go with then. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know. don't know why, but I don't know. That's where he goes. <laughs> what he goes with. Yeah. For the record, whether you're a robot or not, lying to your spouse, incorrect, covering up murder for your spouse. Well, here's the thing we talked about whether or not it was murder so yeah yeah one does wonder why they felt the need to cover up the death of a home invader yeah i'm not sure what the castle laws are in washington dc but Mm. i don't know yeah one would think that she was potentially justified in that right but eh, i'm not a lawyer so nor i (laughs) yeah we um we find that vin kind of has at once a very stoic robotic demeanor uh, at school in the face of some provocation from a classmate who is Viv's science partner and he's kind of poking Vin and being pretty obnoxious about it. But much like a lot of the characterization in the story, there's an odd sort of robotic quality, but also something vaguely and sincerely human. So the fact that Vin reacts very suddenly and violently at some point is a very emotive sort of response, but it's kind of couched in a rational sense of, oh, humans are just like robots where you can turn them off with a push of a button and they kind of go through the human anatomy and how if you press a certain point you can kind of cut off the blood supply or the oxygen supply so that they pass out or you could kill them 
if you press it for too long. But it's one of several comparisons that are kind of drawn like, oh, humans are basically kind of sophisticated robots and we're not so different. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it, I guess it's kind of a juxtaposition because earlier we see him sitting, staring into space more or less. Yeah, he picks up an apple and kind of smashes it in his hand. Yeah. He very much has the appearance of, and I think part of it is because he has no eyeballs. Um, they're just well. white, but he has the appearance of someone who's traumatized. Yeah. The behavior of someone mm-hmm. who's very traumatized and it's sort of an interesting way of looking at certain traumas because he is responding kind of like a robot. Like the other student asks where Viv is and he has, she's, he says, she's out, she's ill. And he, that's just how he repeats. She's says, she's out, mm, she's ill. Mm-hmm. Like that's his programmed response. But it's interesting because, you know, certain amounts of trauma can, can put you into a position where it's like you have a programmed response and you're not mm-hmm. like you're just coasting, not coasting, but like you're kind of like sleepwalking through life mm. or like just doing the, the regularly programmed thing and not actually in tune with go- what's going on around you sort of like a robot might be mm. just going through this and this and this and this and this is the thing that I have to do and then I go back and I sit st- silently until the next thing happens that I have to do which is you know not unlike some forms of psychological trauma but then he so at first you're like, well, is he just being a robot? Is he he's acting weird mm-hmm. for a robot kind of, mm-hmm. but like also weird for a person. Mm-hmm. And then he just, then he reacts in again, kind of a, the manner like some traumatized people might mm-hmm. where he kind of ignores, 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 and then flips out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like the, the whole thing is I, I, this entire sequence makes you ask yourself, is he reacting in these ways because he's a robot or is he reacting in these ways because there's something human about him? Mm-hmm. Because all of them could be everything he does here. I feel like it could be either one. Mm-hmm. Like he lashes out, but he does it in a very calculated manner. Yeah. That could be a response to a per- perceived threat mm-hmm. that a programmed robot might have, or just a person might do. <laughs> so like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's, it does a little bit to illustrate what the story is talking about with the characters and their, I don't know if it's quest to be human or quest to appear human and they're not being sure if it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's a good little, a good couple pages there that it really shows the, uh, what is going on, I guess, in the struggle sure for them and i think it's interesting that you point out the the expression of what we recognize as trauma because i think that's a very good point and i also think that it's indicative of one of the primary themes that tom king has been a lot of readers have observed has come up in the comics that he writes. I haven't read all of his material, but I think that there's definitely a lot to it. He comes from a background that includes work in the CIA and I believe counterintelligence. And Mm. I don't know to what degree he's been involved in military, but I have noticed that in a number of different projects that include this one, another one would be Mr. Miracle. And maybe that's also one we could consider reading Mm. as well as some other ones that trauma, trauma, I think, Post-traumatic stress disorder are ones that tend to come up as one of his sort of consistent themes or elements. So just something uh, if well, people yeah, are looking. No. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly shows, shows through here. And it, I don't know, it it, it, it seems almost as though we're, we're following characters who are programmed to behave like humans, but are still programmed to behave like humans. Mm. I think I talked about that a little bit. I think we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. 
Mm -hmm. like the extent to which programming something to appear human or vision talks about that well okay well being irrational is is human in its own way Mm. so this sort of okay well you know lashing out is human or that so like to what extent are they robots programmed to behave in a human manner and to what extent are they actually resembling humans like in a literal way not just a right so There's almost a question when I come across these kinds of parts in the story of are they not more than human, but like more human than they think they are or less human than they think they are, because it seems to kind of go in both those directions at various points in the story where they're Mm -hmm. they're very convinced of their own achieved humanity and they're actually demonstrating behaviors and actions and decisions that come woefully short of that. And then mm-hmm. there are other ways where they seem convinced of their own rationality and ability to, in a very calculated and composed and controlled way, handle things. And sort of these emotive responses demonstrate that in some ways they're more human than they think they are. So I don't know. It's interesting. And I think maybe they're kind of playing with the audience with that in terms of, well, which is it? And just sort of this very gray area of what exactly are they which we established in the first episode is they're not they're not human but yeah they're not people (laughs) um whatever it is they are they're they're not people (laughs) whether they're yeah so (laughs) which feels like a hard thing to say because some of the story really tries to convince i think the reader on like an emotional level that the the characters deserve our sympathy and that we should regard them as something akin to human if not actually human but yeah definitely from what we established in the previous episode that they are not human and the the catholic church has very distinct ideas there's still a lot of mystery about Mm. what it means to be human but there are other areas where we can more confidently say what does or does not constitute a human person or a soul for that matter yeah and you know i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not alive Mm. or worthy of dignity because animals are are worthy of dignity Mm. robots not so much but to what extent are these robots animated like uh, you know is there something is there something there is their ability to Mm. make choices and conceptualize certain things like you know animals generally can't conceptualize in a strong meaningful way but they can sort of figure out how to get out of a cage Mm -hmm. or how to get certain you know and you can call it conditioning but it can also be decision making i mean Mm -hmm. maybe very simple decision making and you know that their existence uh, in the capacity which they have it affords them some dignity less dignity than than a human person Mm -hmm. unless you ask PETA, but we're Mm -hmm. not going to ask them but like (laughs) They're not afforded the same dignity as as human beings, but they are afforded appropriate dignity. So the question is, are these synthesoids alive enough to mm. you know to earn mm. or not earn? I guess you don't earn dignity. That's not how it works. Right. The Catholic Church. But like are do they have an inherent dignity appropriate to a living thing? Mm-hmm. Not a human, but some living thing. So I don't know. That might be something we can dive into deeper mm-hmm. later. Sure. I know we actually have some stuff that's directly coming up that we can talk about here. So okay. I don't want to. 
wax sure, sure. wax nonsensical too much longer here. <laughs> no, but that's good. Yeah. In the wake of this incident, the principal calls in Vision in Virginia and they're a bit at odds as to what exactly they should do. The principal is rather frank that he's not all too happy about having the kids in his school at all mm-hmm. because as far as he's concerned, it would be as if a child came to school with a gun or some other mechanical weapon, which in its way offends vision in virginia as much as they can be offended uh yeah which seems, which will seems they can be yeah especially i'll say virginia i think both of them but virginia demonstrates some very deeply felt responses it would seem yeah you know i wonder if and i won't go too far in, in, into mm-hmm. i wonder if part of that is the fact that vision vision was designed by a machine to be a greater machine to incorporate good human uh more I don't know, mm-hmm. like a more machine human, maybe. Mm. Whereas Virginia would seem was created by Vision to be a more human machine, mm. replacing his ex-wife as odd as that is. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if her more being, you know, her more emotional or reactiveness is a result of his attempt to create a more human individual in the way that he perceives humans, which is to say somewhat more irrational than mm. others than a robot anyway that's something mm. else we can again we can talk about sure later, but but yeah so no it's uh he compares them to guns he says a gun is just metal in a shape that can kill and what are these two then that's a little harsh yeah <laughs> Yeah. It would seem that Vin and Viv can decide whether or not to use force. Mm -hmm. They may be able to use force more (laughs) successfully. Mm. I guess I was to use force more forcefully. They may be able to use force more forcefully than their their human counterparts, but they are still, I guess, making decisions rather than being used as a component of a decision. Right. (sighs) And I I go ahead. Well, and I was going to say too. It occurs to me now that the principal's argument seems to be flawed in that, with the gun analogy, the gun is specifically designed or specifically shaped in a way to cause harm there's nothing else that the gun is used for other than firing a a ballistic projectile to cause another object or surface to lose its integrity maybe that's a a very judicious description (laughs) of what a gun does Thank you. That was great. I don't think anybody can be mad at that. Okay. All right. Good. I hope everybody, somebody can be mad at anything, but go ahead. Sorry. So, but in the case of Vin and Viv, that's on the one hand, I can kind of see where the principal's going with it and sort of where he's having some difficulty with handling a response to this. But at the same time, the analogy falls short because Vin and Viv are much more complicated than Mm -hmm. a gun. Which is also to say their purpose isn't really defined or determined. And it would certainly seem to me that it's not limited to a destructive capacity. Their potential, gosh, and this kind of gets into sort of maybe uh, a utilitarian attitude or whatever, but their design is not directed towards a destructive end solely. It is one of the things that they're capable of, but there are other things like they could build something much mm-hmm. like say a, a construction machine which is also an over oversimplification but the point is that they can do any number of things one of them just happens to be the potential to cause harm and mm-hmm. so i don't think it's necessary but i guess that hmm. 
Well, it's it depends on if the principal is comparing them to a gun or a child who is bringing a gun. Well, he seems to be comparing them directly to guns, is what he's saying. I think it is uh, both, actually. He changes. He starts by saying, do you know what I would do to a kid who brings a gun to my school? These two, Vin and Viv, as you say, they are guns. So he's he's kind of mixing his, his arguments there a little bit. He's kind of doing a both-hand thing here, but I'll let you kind of... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's I know you have you have a fair point. I think there's two components to it, another component to it as well. But it, it's a fair point of a gun. Like you can target shoot with guns, you can hunt with guns. Mm-hmm. In in the end, you are breaking something mm-hmm. more or less. It's not it's not a tool that's there to fix something. Now, it might be a tool that's there to protect you. It's, it's not saying mm-hmm. you know that that, but yeah, it, the gun doesn't build a bridge. Right. You know, vision could, one would argue. Mm-hmm. So it's not, he might be able to make the argument that the destructive potential is is similar, but the mm-hmm. other component of it then is that y- you have, well, actually, you know, I, I know that the more I'm thinking about it, uh, you have someone with at least an apparent will. It would on one hand be a difference between someone with, with a gun or a gun and the robot, but then if he's making the point that they can be used as destructively as a gun and Vin has demonstrated a will to mm. hurt a fellow student, maybe he has a point. Uh, I don't mm. <laughs> but I, That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 but he didn't say that. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> no. So therefore his argument is not successful in my eyes. <laughs> Maybe if he had said specifically, your kid hurt somebody and he's as powerful as a cannon. <laughs> right. That might be a stronger, stronger argument. But mm-hmm. yeah, he but makes yeah, a, then, Go ahead. He makes it pretty plain, too, that if he had his way, they wouldn't have been in his school in the first place. But because the vision has clout by way of the Avengers and specifically Captain America and that has some influence in the superiors above the principal himself that strings were pulled and things were managed such that the kids Vin and Viv were were able to be there and it's kind of on this point actually that the vision leans into his influence Mm -hmm. and he tries to compromise and offer what seems to be a suitable disciplinary measure based on other kids I guess getting in fights in schools is kind of the model that he's working off of the principal kind of grouses at this and the visions basically saying hey look I've saved the planet I think he says like 32 times is that the number uh, 37 37 thank you and uh ultimately he's he's saying by the end of the conversation hey I I don't make the call but it's my uh, my considered opinion based on <laughs> what the vision thinks is overwhelming an overwhelming case for sort of I don't mm-hmm. not authority I'm trying to think how to put it but basically he's like, look, you're in no position. Like the only reason you're alive is because I'm part of a a team that saves the planet on a regular basis. And so I really think that maybe you should just let me have my way on this and call it a day. I mean, what he says that what he says specifically is you are quite correct. It's not my decision to make. It's merely my considered opinion that this is the proper action course of action. But I do believe you will recognize that fighting me in this matter will not in the end prove to be beneficial. Mm, oh, yeah. That's so right. he threatens him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not much different than a mob guy being like, yeah, I know you don't have to do what I say. I'm just, you know, I'm saying, uh, you know, 
you probably don't want to lose that nice desk and window you got. Oh there. gosh! I mean, he's he's half a step above saying, "Yeah, it's a nice school you got here." Oh my gosh! The, the uh, it'd be a real shame if Galacticus ate it. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought of it as a threat in, in that way, but I guess it is. I mostly kind of took it as like, hey, look, I have enough influence that you can pound sand as hard as you want, but nothing's going to change. But I guess you could also read it as, hey, you can do what you want, but I, I can make life really hard for you. Yeah, I mean, so the word fighting is in italics. This is recognized that fighting me in this matter will not in the end prove to be beneficial. Good observation. That's pretty, yeah. So. Yeah. After the vision vaguely threatens the principal, I guess, <laughs> the two of them, Vision and Virginia, fly off over the autumn landscape of suburbia. And Vision gets some kind of report fed to him, I guess, remotely, that Viv might be in a good condition to receive final repairs, that she might be able to recover and be back in action. And there's all sorts of kind of interesting wordplay that occurs. <laughs> in this case, Virginia asks if Vision is certain about this, and Vision says, certainty is an illusion. Belief is a constant. I believe full repairs are possible. I will need to go to the laboratory immediately. And Virginia responds, luck too is an illusion, but illusions are not without worth. And so good luck. And as such, good luck, which I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I find funny on a couple of levels. One, it assumes that the illusory concept of luck is actually useful. And I mean, it's, it's an idiom we've come to accept, but in reality, it I guess you could philosophically argue it, but it's like, well, sure. luck doesn't really exist. And is it really a useful illusion? It seems like it kind of just gets people into trouble. Also, the fact that she's a proponent of the usefulness of illusions, and this is coming from someone who is trying to uphold a lie. So <laughs> yeah, she may have a vested interest in asserting this is a valuable commodity. Well, and it's also, it's also a pretty as they tend to do a fairly cold mm. assessment of, I guess, the human condition. But she's like, mm -hmm. like, well, you know, luck is also fake, but it can be useful. Mm. It's like, yeah. oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I guess. Thanks. <laughs> like, right. Like, you know, I'm saying, well, I'm, I'm certain. And it's like, no, well, I can't be certain. That would be an illusion. And she, she's like, oh, well, you know, that can be useful. Mm. <laughs> like, Humans have all sorts of useless stuff and they still exactly. value that. Well, human, yeah, I agree. It's useless, but humans seem to like it. So maybe we should. Like, it's that uh, sort of. Uh, <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah. You know, like the question to which, uh, would, yeah, at what point does. I mean, we have the obvious fact of her lying about what happened mm -hmm. to the Reaper. The Reaper. All I could think of was Destro, but that's definitely G.I. Joe's. Um, oh, man. <laughs> they got Destro in the mix. What? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at what point does the illusion become a lie? Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at what point does the illusion go from being a pleasant illusion to a, I don't know, sinful deception? I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Another I, question that we could eventually talk about. Right. Right. <laughs> Our surprise birthday party's a sin. Yes. Hmm, all right. Asked and answered. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. One of the many, many deep questions we'll be covering. <laughs> With Over one the word of, answers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes or no theology. Oh, gosh. That won't land us in any trouble at all. <laughs> yeah, and it's at this point following this conversation that we have, oh, the, the vision that I had earlier of, <laughs> spoiler, uh, yeah, 
no longer a spoiler, that Virginia's getting anonymous messages. I guess it's it looks like it's a burn phone kind of thing yeah. that's left in their mailbox, and it's given instructions on how to play it, and there's footage of her burying the body, and it's the beginnings of a blackmail situation. Yep. So that's that's where we leave off issue two. Hooray, another cheery note mm-hmm. in this. He's getting brighter and brighter in vision land. In this uplifting series that, yeah, brightens the human spirit, or lack well, thereof. Ugh. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it. So uh, shall we jump into issue three? Yeah, let's do it. It's got a lovely, uh, lovely, I guess maybe this was the cover of the original issue. Mm -hmm. Virginia is sweeping the body of Destro under the... uh... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I'm so excited for this crossover that isn't happening. Well, she's sweeping him under the rug with his little vibrating scythe. That does vibrate. I don't know if you noticed but it feels like it tickles a little bit. Mm. Uh, uh, of course I noticed. Why? Huh. <laughs> but yes, she's in her house dress sweeping him under the rug, which is a very, a very domestic a, picture. It is for the top, the top two thirds. Very domestic. Charming. Yes, even. indeed. Uh, what isn't charming is uh, how the issue leads, which is with young man spray painting the garage of the visions home with a, slur that apparently he kind of came up with through the rabbit hole that is Google and other sources. And yeah, he gets his comeuppance pretty quick from Virginia who phases through the garage and gives him a swift whack on the the forehead or pulls his head towards the garage. I was going to say, sir, you're underselling what happened here. Yeah. (laughs) She She reaches through. She pulls him into the door, causing blood to spill out of his mouth. I'm pretty sure his jaw is broken. Yeah, actually, since you mentioned it. (laughs) Not an appropriate way for an adult to respond to a child spray painting their house. You know, call the police. Maybe take a, uh, I don't know, is there a camera on, uh, is she a, a camerazoid, right? She's got to uh, like, I mean, blink and take a picture or something, right? <laughs> I mean, they have that flashing gem on their foreheads. I don't always know if that's also a camera flash. Who it knows? could be. So, I mean, it would seem to me <laughs> that she could have just recorded what he looked like in some way instead of breaking his face. But yeah. hey. Uh, for all I know, Socket Lovers is like the worst thing you can possibly call a robot. Yeah, Maybe. it's not a great. Well, I mean, the spray painting on somebody else's property isn't good to begin with. But well, no, that's true. I'm just saying you can call the police. I mean, no, no, sure, yeah, but it's it's approximating what does occur in real life with ethnic slurs or doing graffiti against somebody's religious beliefs, I suppose that sort of thing is is what it's supposed to be evocative of. Yeah. And Right. Maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe it's just supposed to be illustrating her struggle. But uh, yeah, I figured I'd I just um explain for for the listener since it's maybe a little more it might be easier to kind of get that sense reading it, but just trying to describe that's that's kind of what's trying to be communicated. And regardless of what you think of the visions in terms of what they are exactly or how they exist or some of the sort of the existential or spiritual questions about them. The facts of the matter is that there's no scenario in which the kid who was spray painting this on the garage door could have had any benign intent. This was that's fair. a very premeditated, the intent was malicious. And so I'm not speaking to the degree to which Virginia retaliates, but just kind of what I've reflected on 
this particular scene is that it almost doesn't even matter sort of the questions about the visions and the particular categories that they fall under, Mm. but just that sin intention has a part to do it. There's also like actions that are evil in in and of themselves, but the intention here was an evil one and a sinful one. And so I just figured I'd point that out. So. Yeah, I, you know, and that's that's fair. I think there's also the the angle of uh, the idea of that they are kind of a they're very. I don't want to compare them to necessarily like being a minority in a predominantly say white neighborhood because they're robots mm. and this is a comic book. But they are in a situation wherein everybody else is one thing and they're someone else. Like they're they're right. they're in a position where they're kind of it's a vulnerable-ish position, you know, and something that can cause, that can make you Mm. uncomfortable in general. So yeah, a fair point. Just, you know, this is, this isn't what he thinks is a joke. He, he's not like, so even if he thought it was a joke, it would be bad, but it's also clear that he doesn't think it's, it's not, it's not, he's not doing it as like a, Oh, ha ha. We're calling him that, you know, like, Oh, you nasty kids and shake their fists. No, I, it's pretty clear. He is going to the, one family in town that's different and calling him the mm. worst thing he can think of. So yeah. that's, that's a, that's a fair point. You know, it's, so it's, it is a little, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's worth noting that regardless of the harm that we can perceive that we're doing to others, just kind of to check ourselves and our interior life in terms of what our, where our heart is and where our motives are coming from, because mm. regardless of the degree to which actual harm is perpetrated it's still when jesus talks about adultery and if you've lusted after somebody in your heart then you've it's still sinning Mm. and it's like well i haven't like actually acted on uh, well externally acted excuse me on those impulses or that but to cultivate an interior disposition or mind like that is still harmful to one soul and as a church we believe that the way in which we conduct our own spiritual lives also has an effect on the larger human community mm. and uh so it's yeah i i mean and it's i think it's to to your point something that we may we may miss a lot just in our some of our disregard of other people but even our mm-hmm. forgetting the idea of like what you hold in your heart is is the core of the sin, not not necessarily mm. what you did. Like what you did is sinful, could be sinful. But like mm-hmm. if you hold something, you know, like if you, I'm ethnically Irish, I'm an American, you are also ethnically Irish. And mm-hmm. if somebody calls me like, I don't know, calls me a potato face or says, hey, you know, we don't want any mess around here. And I don't know, it's, it's 1910 and that still happens or something like that. The hate that they hold in their heart mm-hmm. makes it, like if you are calling me something, if you're calling me a name because you hate me, mm-hmm. it's as sin. It's pretty much as sinful as if you call me an actually awful ethnic slur. So right, yeah. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, you know, well, I just called them this. Like it's not that bad. It's like, all right, well, did you say it because you wanted them to feel bad? Then mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's just as bad. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing it to degrade someone, it doesn't matter if you used that word or not. So. Oh gosh, it really does. Just like cave his face practically against uh well yeah. Door, so <laughs> oh yeah i guess we can get back to the story so yeah <laughs> the level to which you're justified in breaking somebody's face or something they called you i guess is the actual question <laughs> um she probably shouldn't have broken a child's face 
because she's an adult. Well, I guess. Ostensibly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we kick things off with that whole scene. Ugh. Yeah. And uh, and clearly Virginia's troubled by the whole sort of blackmail situation that's going on. And that's going to continue to grow as a problem. Mm-hmm. Viv is with Tony Stark and Vision. And Vision explains that fortunately during the attack, I guess it's something like an, like an autonomic response in her nervous system managed to phase certain vital organs. And so parts of her were damaged, but most of the vital stuff was left unharmed. However, it requires a huge surge of electricity and vision being used as a channel for the electricity and for vision to have his those parts of his nervous system active, which are receptive to pain. And so Tony Stark tries to warn him and he vision insists on channeling this charge to revive his daughter and so they go forward with it and it's looking pretty intense and tony stark almost turns the thing off and vision essentially threatens to kill him if he does that and so they continue and both vision and viv survive viv is restored and iron man is kind of left wondering if things are okay he gives a a report back to captain america that everything's great everything's normal but it's a pretty intense scene there and Vision's clearly committed unto death it would seem to protecting the family that he's built for himself. The initials of the podcast also make an appearance in this section as whatever whatever the sound exactly is supposed to be is SH it's spelled out as SHV you're right. (laughs) Well it's actually SHHVVVHH but I'm going to call it a shout out too oh my gosh Well, a vision of superhuman vitae coming out and uh man i gotta find out. a way to make that uh art for this i'm pretty sure there's no way to do that without legal problems but <laughs> yeah I, I would guess that there's gonna be somewhat of a legal issue there but nice catch keep <laughs> uh keep spotting these opportunities i will take the <laughs> unintentional ads where they come so we find agatha who is a relative of wanda maxvoff who's scarlet which actually i'm trying to think if they're Related by blood, or if they're... I should have made a note of this. Well, it appears there's mention that she gifted those flowers to Wanda. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it was at least suggested, if not said, that she was like a mentor. Mm. At least in okay. this, uh, this yeah, I should have made a note of, of the that. story. Yeah, okay. so I'm trying to find where I saw that. And I'm probably just letting everybody hear me flip, 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 <laughs> flip. I can edit that out. That makes me sound studious. Ah, there you go. The Everbloom was a gift from Agatha Harkness to her beloved student, Wanda Maximoff. Mm, Okay. Upon Wanda's marriage to Vision, which is an interesting thing for him to keep in the house with his new family, but that's... Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, it'll it'll actually make more sense as we go on in in the story further out in some respects. But yeah, the whole whole thing seems really strange, actually. Just sort of... Yeah. So my wife, yeah, we're we're separated. Also, I built myself a new one. But you know what? <laughs> we'll move on from that. Yeah, so Agatha we're seeing and at first it's a little unclear what she has to do with anything apart from the fact that she's given this gift to Vision and Wanda and now Vision still has this gift and she has a cat which she goes on to kill as part of a magical what would you call it i guess like sacrificial magic or part of the ritual um it's somewhat 
It's a little unclear as to what she actually does to this thing because she says, I'll see you in the morning. Mm, and then yeah. I, I wasn't sure if maybe, you know, and that's when it's just a little cat and then it becomes a panther because that's what happens when you stab a cat. No, it does not. Please don't stab cats. Yes, please um, don't. <laughs> no, it's terrible. But the, yeah, it kind of attacks her and she's like, why are you bothering to do this? Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but she stabs it a few more times and it was just kind of like, yeah, so it's, it, go ahead. It's sorry. It seems to tie into they're explaining the Everbloom a bit, which is supposed to be able to, in theory, enable somebody to tell the future. And there's a lot being described in terms of how Agatha and Wanda would watch tourists who would come through their home country and buy fake flowers or plants that were made to look similar to the Everbloom, but which were not, in fact, the actual plant. The tourists buy them because they just want to either believe that this is the real thing or they don't care enough about finding the actual real thing. They're just kind of enjoying the mythos behind it. But as actual witches, these two recognize that there is an actual magical effect to the real Everbloom plant, but it's not as simple as eating the petals. Let's see here. Both women knew even if one of the tourists miraculously managed to acquire something real, there is only one way to extract time from an everbloom blossom. The petal must be twice consumed. First, after hunger. Second, after murder. So I am assuming that the cat killing is the murder component. Uh, yeah, I guess probably permanent. We don't see anything about Agatha grabbing a snack or something. So I guess that's off screen. But <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I guess that's the point. If you, I guess if she's hungry, she's not eating anything, is she? But so we we eventually come to realize this is coming in flashes between different scenes. It's alternating a bit between Agatha's actions and events and what's going on in the Vision household. But I guess I'll go ahead and just say that by the end of this, we come to the realization that Agatha is in fact the narrator, or I assume she is, since she's reciting by the end of this issue, the same words that we found at the beginning of issue one. And so so she's been having visions of what's transpiring with the Vision family and also what's to come. But yeah, so Viv's Viv's reunited with the family and Virginia continues to try to provide misdirection and distraction with Vision to keep him away from figuring out more about what actually happened to the Reaper, despite the fact that it remains on his mind. I guess he assumes that the Reaper is at large or he's convinced himself as much. And that's pretty much where we wrap up issue three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderfully terrifying image of Agatha reciting the first lines of the, of the book. Yeah. Creepy as anything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's a witch, so yeah, well, I guess, I guess when you've made an animal sacrifice and eaten one of its organs, sorry for anybody who's squeamish out there. Hmm. Yeah, you might not be looking too peppy doing it, but yes, she's also also a witch and she's having a supernatural vision. And yeah, and in, in case there's any question, as Christians and as Catholics, no, none of this is in any way. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, a part to- of our spirituality. There. No. Witchcraft is definitely anathema, so. Yeah, we'll just get that out of the way. Yeah. Is my anathema button up yet? Uh, I have all the elves working on it, and uh, you'll know when I know. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Shall we on to issue four? Are you good to tackle four? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Onwards to issue four. Tally ho. 
Tally-ho. I love the fact that this issue begins with what I can only assume is a Charlie Brown reference. Oh, I'm sure. Which is to say that Viv is holding a football to the ground and Vin is trying to kick it. Although in a, uh, a nice little reversal, it's uh, Viv, the one holding the football who doesn't trust the kicker because Vin has been convincing her that he's definitely going to kick the ball and he definitely keeps phasing his foot through the ball. So, yeah, nice little uh, reversal on that classic Charlie Brown bit. But unlike Charlie Brown, despite the fact that they do wax a little, I guess, poetic or philosophical in those comics, that they get a little more into it here. Because with the visions, a game of backyard football isn't complete with without a. Uh, I'm trying to think of a clever way of saying that they're philosophizing as they're kicking around the football. Oh, yeah. Well, as they're discussing trust versus whether whether or not it's more sad that he keeps tricking her or that he she keeps trusting him. <laughs> Which one of those things is more? Yeah. Depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and as. As we're finding throughout this series, a lot of it involves semantics, which, to be fair, is also a part of philosophy, you know, defining your terms and all that good stuff. Well, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing for robots to be doing just in the sense of it's almost like parsing words is a bit of a human Hmm. quality. Mm -hmm. You know, your computer, your spell checker or your whatnot will have the definition of a word. And it might have a couple different ways it can be used, but the question of as they sit there and, and discuss whether what, what is trust and is it based on predicting the future because of past events, or is it uh, is it the ability to believe without evidence? Is is how Vin describes it. Mm-hmm. He said, he also says it is an act of faith, the highest form of cognition. Understanding and embracing faith moves us closer to humanity. And then he phases through and she's like, why do you keep doing that? <laughs> and it's, it's funny that he's basically, he's convincing her that trusting, he's basically saying blind faith is what makes people human. <laughs> mm. Understanding yeah. and embracing, because he's not saying understanding and embracing faith, like understanding and embracing what people have faith in. Mm. He's saying understanding and embracing the concept of, of faith as in trusting something you're not sure about makes you more human <laughs> which is like yeah n- no but kind of like i see what you're saying but no mm-hmm. not exactly which is like basically the theme of of mm-hmm. the the visions grasp on humanity it's like yeah but no mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> like i guess in a literal sense but not in an entirely literal sense and definitely not in a functional sense <laughs> like right so it's it's that sort of funny but they do that a couple times usually when Mm -hmm. they do like semantic stuff or like philosophical stuff they're like well it's okay because part of being human is like being cool with stuff being ridiculous or just going with something even though it doesn't make sense it makes you human it's like yeah but come on (laughs) it's just one more of these sort of (laughs) unintentional digs at yeah do you have to be rude about it like yeah come on yeah also there is definitely more to it like they haven't quite gotten the which makes the kind of raises the question of like to what extent are they really thinking Mm. are they processing are they doing a sort of interactive processing that can build on itself but not necessarily like synthesize Mm. ideas Mm. i don't know we'll have to read on indeed i will also say that at the conclusion of this i got a good laugh vin's laughing Viv says, 
It is not funny. He continues laughing and she says, it is sad. You believe me. You are the one who is sad. I am not sad. I am discontented. You are. <laughs> and it cuts off from there, but it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's really it's, okay. But that, yeah, like in that, and then that moment, they become much like children. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually. like, you are the one who is sad. Yeah. <laughs> yep 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 uh, yeah and and there's some some other instances rather similar to those that we find going on virginia gets a call and she finally responds to her blackmailer and we'll find that she's going to take action finally in response to this person who has information about the body in the yard but we do have uh, go ahead we have perhaps the best line line of dialogue that I've read so far mm. where they're trying to con- convince their father to throw the ball and they'll fly after it. And he's, he's saying, no, that's not, you're not going to do that. And they're saying, no, it's more fun. And he's like, well, fun or not, we're here to achieve normalcy and flying all about is not normal. <laughs> and the greatest line, father, just throw the ball. We will achieve normalcy tomorrow. <laughs> 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 Which I mean, our, our children are only one, one, but mm-hmm. it does, strike me as something a child would have said yeah we'll be normal tomorrow just throw the ball now (laughs) (laughs) just sort of that desperate bargaining where it's like okay you know (laughs) it's also i think a good argument (laughs) oh (laughs) you you, you can be normal anytime yeah right now it's fun to be weird especially when you're a kid yeah so he relents and he throws the ball and they fly after it yes they do and he brings the mood down (laughs) he says you'll learn one day that tomorrow does not always come it's like Okay, well, this was fun. <laughs> yeah, and then as they're off having fun, we see Virginia at the window looking perturbed. Indeed. It's ominous. Yeah, she probably overbaked some cookies or something, huh? Yeah, that's... You think? I mean, I suppose that you could use that as a euphemism for committing too much to a lie that you now can't <laughs> do anything my, with. I thought you were going to say, that. oh, it's a, maybe it's a euphemism for like, you know, when you murder somebody and you're... <laughs> In your own home. It's, oh, well, it's a new one for me. I got to watch out anytime somebody's offering me some overcooked Chaco chips. That might be the worst euphemism I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah, let's not do that. I overbaked that. that cookie. Oh, AKA, gosh. I killed some dude in my house and buried him in the backyard. How was I supposed to get that? No, she's stuck in a lie. She overbaked her cookies and now they're not going to sell. You know, it doesn't oh, make okay. sense anyway. Let's just go. <laughs> All right. Good work shopping on that one. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's an oddly nice moment between the young fella who Vin nearly I guess he I don't think he strangled him to death, but he basically nearly killed him. They cut uh, off his blood flow until he passed out and they dropped him. Yeah. So this guy approaches his sister and is remarkably nice. I don't know if that's because he had a near death experience with her brother, but he seems like he's Sincerely expressing that he's actually enjoyed having her for a lab partner and that he thinks that she's cool. Mm -hmm. He says some more besides, but sort of in his own awkward way, that's more or less what he's getting at is that he likes her and that he's okay with her and that he's got no beef as far as she's concerned. And this is something that apparently we're told that Viv keeps in her, keeps particularly in her memory and will replay that in times to come as, I guess, a source of comfort or encouragement. Which is somewhat of disturbing foreshadowing. Uh, (laughs) Yes, like so much of this book. (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. And there's there's another instance where Vision's kind of sort of convincing himself of a lie in that Virginia calls him and says that she needs him. What exactly? She's asking him to come home or something? Yes, it opens with him and Iron Man. Oh, it's, he's Captain America. It's Falcon. What does yes. he go by? So in this case, it's Captain. It's Sam Wilson, but oh, yeah. he, so he's he just Captain America. Like, he's Captain right? America. Okay, but it's he's like also, you know, he's what? got his. I'm sorry, he's, he's got, got his wings. Falcon wings out too. So yeah. I'm, at first, I was like, "Oh, it's Falcon." I was like, "Oh wait, no, he's Captain America." And I was like, "Well, he's both." <laughs> yeah, he decided not to uh, to choose between the two. He's like, "I'm Captain America, and I'm keeping the wings." And you know what? I Why would. Not? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you drop the wings? Seriously, the only thing Steve Rogers couldn't do was fly and shoot energy out of his hands and turn into a green. Okay, there are a couple of things he could, but he couldn't fly. Yeah, anyway, yeah. So we get this scene, and and he's Vision is clearly talking on the phone with his wife while he fights Giganto, who is, I mean, if you pictured a uh, villain called Giganto just with no knowledge for knowledge, you'd probably get it about right. He's a big green monster. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and visions there saying no wife i am listening it's just that i am also fighting giganto which is another good line from this one but um i also like uh <laughs> what was it uh, i set virginia says i set this dinner with the headhunter on saturday i posted the appointment on our share drive i checked this morning you have access to that data on three separate occasions <laughs> this is the equivalent <laughs> in my mind of you text your wife or you send something on facebook messenger and you definitely have that function on where it says if it's been read <laughs> yeah and you're yeah i just it's an oddly again human kind of conversation where it's like hey i saw that you read it and yeah (laughs) it's funny because eventually vision is like all right i'll see if perhaps nova can be called in it's like yeah i'll see if somebody else can cover fighting giganto yeah well again a gigantic green monster sure yeah you know just get a pinch hitter (laughs) for this guy (laughs) i mean it's just giganto it's not like i don't know thanos sure i guess they've already dealt with Yeah, on a few occasions. But, I mean, it's a small thing, but Vision says, Yes, I understand. I will talk to Iron Man. Perhaps Nova can be called in. He was supposed to have a night with his mother, but sacrifices must be made. And it just feels kind of (laughs) like another one of these things where he's he's convincing himself, kind of. Where, like, he kind of knows that he can't, I don't know, it, hmm, I'm trying to put my finger on it. But, like, he recognizes that, like okay, he has responsibilities and these other people have lives and there's sort of already sort of things in place and I might be overreading it, but just sort of in his mind, he's like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make it happen. Anyway, I'll let you talk. Oh, no, it's, I mean, he's, well, that's another way to, (laughs) he's by the wife he created. Oh gosh. Uh, (laughs) more editing coming up on my end. (laughs) (laughs) I can say that, right? (laughs) Can you? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah he's he's clearly like he's persuaded pretty easily by his wife on many fronts and so it's like okay i guess like even though other people have families to attend to like if if she really twists his arm about it he's yeah. kind of we'll just go ahead and do that and we find out that she's the reason she's kind of really twisting his arm about it is because she is meeting up with the blackmailer right yeah i would have just said gentlemen and let them figure it out but yes she's meeting up with the individual who is attempting to well seems to be attempting to blackmail we also find that he has indeed made cookies uh, yeah whether or not he has overbaked them will uh well that remains to be seen we might never know yeah 
which what is it about does tom king find cookies suspicious or something because the very beginning of this whole series in issue one we have a couple who's bringing cookies in a semi disingenuous manner or it's weird i don't know you're clearly led to believe that in both cases these people don't really like the visions but they're offering cookies my literary analysis brain has been kind of spinning on like what's the deal with the cookies like what is this I don't know. It's a thing you do, I suppose. Like, is that the point? Is that the visions have their programming and humans have theirs and like cookies is like the protocol in I, threatening situations perhaps. or something? <laughs> threatening situations. I don't know. <laughs> when I when I feel threatened, I want cookies. Well perhaps. Then again, I want cookies all the time. So. Yeah. So it's hard to you really need a control group for that uh to experiment that. Yeah. There's nothing controlled about my cookie consumption, uh, unfortunately. Also worth noting, he shows her that he's he is currently in possession of a handgun and then offers her cookies. So. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> conflicting emotions abound, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of this guy in terms of his motives. He kind of comes off like, oh, I was just going to come over and like talk to you guys and i happen to come across you doing this thing you t- i took a video because that's what you do which is i guess just meant to be kind of an indictment on sort of the current habits of many u.s citizens with a smartphone I suppose. and their their overuse of it but it's oh it's a thing you do and it's like is it though <laughs> I, I don't know when you don't know what else to do maybe uh <laughs> yeah guess. he's he just seems to be separating himself from the idea that like he had some intention of using this as leverage versus like oh i i just happened to be in the neighborhood i took this video and you know what since i had the video i figured why yeah not? Well, it's weird i mean it's interesting because he, he goes on to, to kind of explain you know he decided he had to take action after vin choked his kid which is mm. interesting because he took a video and kept it yep. so like i don't know he didn't do anything with it beforehand he she was burying a body like what's the like it, it definitely yeah, the story. Yeah, it definitely implies he wanted to use it for something. Because otherwise, why would yeah. he release it? You know, sooner. Yeah, because he took <laughs> he took the video before the incident, right? Before right. Vin attacked his son. So that doesn't track. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't know. But and speaking of the son, he is awakened by the sound as things get more intense. So <laughs> we have um, this moment as uh, as Virginia and oh gosh, what is his name? Yeah, do they actually say his name? I'm trying I'm to find. I'm not sure actually. that they do. Well, CK's father, you know, mm-hmm. he pulls out his gun. It's tense. He's telling her to get out. She's saying we belong here, and you know, it's um. Well, she goes for the gun, and he fires it. <laughs> yeah, his sort of uh, ultimatum is that he won't release the video if they leave town. Just pick up and go without further ado. And this is not flying with virginia notwithstanding the fact that she is flying at him but yeah so when she's approaching him he feels threatened he draws the gun and things kind of uh escalate very quickly from there with tragic consequences Mm -hmm. the uh bullet strikes his son instead of virginia kind of phases right through here and um it's pretty clearly fatal so yeah uh he's hysterical of course blaming it on her 
And uh, so she knocks him out. And in the background of this entire scene, from the point at which he starts shooting to the end, we have repeated the conversation from Viv's point of view that she had with CK, the boy who was just shot earlier, um, where she talks about people say things, they don't understand things. They have this conversation and he says she's cool. And um, he asks her if if the rain bothers her being a machine. She's like, no, it doesn't bother me. It just goes right through me, which is what happened with the bullet that then killed CK. Yeah. And that's the moment that she says will replay in her head when she, I guess, mm-hmm. when she when she needs it, when she feels. Yeah, it's a uh, and that's I mean, that's the end of of issue four. Mm-hmm. Um, another another high note. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a. It's a dark scene. It's a heavy scene. It's, um, yeah, it's rough. And it's, it's another situation where Virginia is placed in a difficult position and things go wrong. And her decisions, her decisions are made from a place, it seems like partly for the protection of her family, but also self preservation. And so a situation where there's a certain amount of understanding in which, so here she doesn't see that. CK's behind. Neither CK's no. dad nor her are aware that he's woken from sleep and and has approached them. And so Virginia's phasing to allow the bullet to pass through her is a reflexive one and wasn't meant to harm CK himself. So that was accidental and it's a bad situation. What she chooses to do from there, in my mind, is kind of just more of her making a bad situation worse. Yeah. I mean, that's I, at this at this point, and I wasn't to say she could really be could possibly be blamed for for the the child's death mm-hmm. in a chaotic sort of sense. Her own actions are what set the ball rolling. I mean, you know, the kid's dad is the one who decided to blackmail and then shoot at her. So in the end, it's really you know it's on him, but she continues to react as though she can be blamed for it. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, to a certain extent, when you are the other, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that is, I think, a natural fear that those in a, I don't know, I guess you could say a majority position might look at you as, well, they're the outsider, so we'll find some way to blame this on them, at least partially. Because, you know, they don't don't want to blame the other guy. I mean, he was standing his ground they thought so i don't it's um yeah it's it's almost one of those frustrating like well if you just like you're just making all the wrong decisions Mm. but at the same time you can understand some of them given the animosity that she's been presented with that she doesn't want to be unfairly blamed for that or create an image that matches the image that people who don't like her already assume I sure think that's where the the burying of the the villain who attacked them came from like oh she doesn't mm-hmm. really want to be seen as an instrument of destruction but i don't know. yeah i i think it's a good point that the visions occupy an increasingly precarious position in their community and so there may be some fear in terms of how people respond to the situation based on that but it all not all a lot of how these bad decisions are making things worse or some of the motivations are coming from, I think maybe one of the things that comes up in the story is the ways in which small lies somehow continue to bigger lies or become complicated. And, and so ultimately lies can be very destructive, even if they start off with small alterations of details. And I guess particularly what I mean by that is that perhaps she 
would not have done what she did in terms of putting CK's dad in the hospital and trying to cover up that situation if it weren't for the fact that she was already trying to cover up the fact that she killed the villain, the Reaper. So yeah, rather than explaining herself to the authorities, she would have to explain essentially why she was at the house. And the reason she was at CK and his dad's house was because of the whole situation of the information they had about what she did killing the Reaper. So it's her actions are to my mind, stemming from covering up that first lie to some extent. Mm -hmm. But I agree that it's, as a reader, I can kind of see how how these things can happen. It's still wrong what she's doing. And this came up in our Kingdom Come discussion as well. I think that there's a lot to be said for developing understandable motivations, even if the actions are, are those that we would condemn or those that we would say are wrong, ultimately. Yeah. So the motivation, sort of the causal events, makes sense. And so it really kind of drives the tension and the drama in this and only continues to increase as the story unfolds. So, yeah, but it's it's sad just all around in that final scene. And the fact that it even despite the fact that Virginia is trying to protect herself and her family, it still ends up even hurting her own family because Viv, the one meaningful connection she's had outside of her family so far is with CK. And so that loss ends up being her loss as well. Yeah. And um, gosh, yeah, we're going to, I guess we're going to see how that all uh, starts to play out, I guess, in yes, the sir. next episode. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. I mean, any last thoughts? I think that about wraps up my thoughts on these few issues. So uh, if anybody has any, well, I guess before I get into that, any any final thoughts on your part, Brendan? No, I think uh, I think we covered most everything I thought about during these. Uh, I am looking forward to the next couple uh, issues. I'm actually only two issues ahead of where we are right now. So uh, All right. I'll uh, get back to reading again to make sure I <laughs> <laughs> make sure I stay ahead. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, I think we covered uh, what I wanted to talk about. Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing this as well. And those of you who are following along, if you want to add your comments or questions by way of email, you can reach us at letters at shvpodcast.com. And where can they find you, Brendan? Oh, they can find me on Twitter at the Lion Brary, the lion with a Y, like my last name, and Brary like a library. So yeah, hey. uh, oh, uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have an author page, Brendan J. Lyons. Same ugly mugs on the picture for that one. So, ah, uh, don't be like <laughs> should that. Be, should recognize me. Actually, it's a very good picture of me, all things considered, that my wife took on my first day <laughs> going into my new job. I think. Actually, no, that might that one might still have my other my last uh, picture. Anyway, that's not important. What's important is <laughs> reach out, let us know what you're thinking, shoot us some questions, anything, anything you want. Sure, and leave a rating on whatever podcast platform you're using and a review if you would be so kind and that way we know if we're giving something that's a, a blessing to you we're looking to continue to improve upon the podcast and we value your feedback so with all of that we'll see you next time and let's all grow in holiness and virtue everybody let's become saints amen amen all right till next time brendan i'll talk to you <laughs> <laughs> see you later <laughs> until yep. next time <laughs> Catch you on the flip side, Brohim. <laughs> you forgot your cookies. <laughs> I'm sorry, I overbaked.